0: For free shipping and 365 day returns.
1: Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 35, Life in Sparta. In 810 B.C., or thereabouts, chaos was made into order in the land of Laconia in Greece. From this rose the city-state of much prominence, Sparta, city of warriors. This is the second of a three-part series about Sparta. The first part detailed the origins of Sparta. In the second part, we'll look at what life was like in Sparta, if you were a man. And in the third part, if you were a woman. So, Dan, why don't you tell us more about this city state and the life therein?
2: Oh, yes, I will. <laughs> um, first, I want to say that uh, this series is the, uh, are the most popular videos on our YouTube channel, Final History on YouTube. You should be subscribing to that channel. And you're not because a lot more more people are listening (laughs) to this podcast than subscribing to the YouTube channel.
1: Visuals Uh, are fun, people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Part three that we're going to do next week is the most popular video. And I think that's of about 150 videos on the YouTube channel. So women in Sparta. uh, But that's for next week. This week we are going to talk about life as a man in Sparta. We're going to talk about how the Spartan state is organized why the Spartans are such good warriors, and what kind of religion they have. But before I dive into this, I figured I would ask a random person from Texas what he knows (laughs) about life in Sparta as man. And uh, that's you! Oh, that's me. I am from Texas. Still here today
1: recording this. Um, Life in Sparta. Well, it's... I don't have a lot to go on, except what popular culture... Frank Miller wrote a comic book turned into a movie called Three Hundred. Um,
2: that's such a good comic book and
1: movie. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And okay, if if I take out the crazy drama of it, what I can kind of distill from that? Let's if I just assume that that's an exaggeration. It seemed like just like the word implies, Sparta. Everyone lived in these like perfectly square houses. You know, everybody it's it's almost seemed like a very conformist society um but they they led crazy like um ritualistic lives like the kids were um like they would get rid of like uh, kids who were defective in some way like if they had birth defects or if, you know some sort of mental defect um and it's like they would send children off to be taught in these war camps and like Kind of like the uh, wards of these, you know, terrible people. It seemed like they'd treat them like they just used them. It's, it seemed really rough and harsh. Um, I don't know; it, it doesn't seem too great, but it, you know, they were super strong and very loyal to their to their city state. So there has to be something good about it. So that's my general impression. It seems like very warlike. Um, you know, very um, conformist society. You know, everybody did the same things, even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't religious based. Um, it seemed like they just believed very strongly in the way they lived.
2: That's uh, all of that is generally correct, but we'll talk about it in detail here. All right, and I'll bet you will get a couple of surprises at least. I think so. Uh, First, I think we have to define the goal of a Spartan man's life. So the number one thing in a Spartan man's life is that he has to serve the Spartan state. This is a very, at the same time, a very democratic and a very dictatorial state. Sparta The state is everything, and everything you do has to be in the interest of the Spartan state and the Spartan way of life. Mm -hmm. If anyone does not conform, they have to die or be exiled, and the worst thing that the Spartan state could have is a free thinker or a weakling, (laughs) and you have to get rid of them.
1: That's so harsh. (laughs)
2: Yes, and it's also extremely conservative. It's conservative to a degree that we really cannot understand today. They make the Assyrians look like free thinkers. (laughs) And that's why we can do this three-part show at this point about Sparta, while we cannot do it about any other city-state, because the other city-states evolve. They change their way of running the city-state. They have new ideas and act on them, but the mm-hmm. Spartans just, this is what Lycurgus said, the, their semi-mythical founder, and this is the way we have done things forever. So when something changes in the Spartan state, it's uh, worthy of great notice, because it does happen like once or twice in 600 years. Wow. <laughs> But generally, there are three social classes, and the social classes are extremely important. Uh, you can be an equal. And that's the highest social, uh, there are no noblemen or something. You can be an equal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then you are truly equal. We'll go into detail about how equal you are if you're an equal. But if you're, if you're the king of Sparta, or one of the kings of Sparta, you are still just an equal. You can also be free, but (laughs) non-equal. And there are many different ways to end up in this weird position. And then you can also be a slave. But the Spartan slaves are very special and not like other slaves. They are the helots. And uh, they are different than other slaves in many ways. And I will show you how in this episode as well. But um, let's get into this then it has been depicted as one of the hardest slavery societies of all time and there's a lot of strange things happening in the relations between the Spartan equals mm-hmm. and helots but it's also pretty nice for a slave society for the slaves So it's, uh, it's weird Sparta strikes me as a very very different place uh, and it's different even from all the other city states, even from the Dorian city states that were founded sort of with the same origin as Sparta, like Argos. Sparta is still very different. Hmm. And the state remains unchanged until it falls spectacularly in the 4th century BC. And I hope we get to talk about. Uh, that at some point in the future because the end of Sparta is pretty interesting. There is never any tyrant in Sparta. We'll see when Greece gets taken over by the tyrants. Uh, But Sparta is never there. They never have a tyrant and they will always be the force in Greece that fights the tyrants. Um, And kingship in itself, becomes uh, an archaic feature in Greece. It disappears almost all over Greece, but never in Sparta. Sparta always has the two
1: kings. How does that work out? <laughs>
2: Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in three hundred, is pretty spectacular. They were right. they were lucky to have another king.
1: <laughs> right <laughs>
2: <laughs> when Leonidas died. Uh. Okay, let's now assume that you are a Spartan man getting born. And your life goal is to become... Your life goal is to serve the Spartan state. But you want to be one of the equals. And if you fail at any point, you will become someone who is free, but not an equal, probably. Or dead. Right. So, first then, you get born... And uh, someone is looking at you, thinking, is this boy fit to live? And he, you are brought before the elders. And uh, you are not thrown off a cliff. That's a myth. myth. They have actually excavated in Sparta and looked for this cliff. (laughs) And a lot of baby skeletons there, but they never found them.
1: What a morbid thing to look for. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so it's probably... (laughs) exposure.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: So what they do then is that you just... uh, Take the child and put him in the wilderness. And then the child dies. Or is... uh, Stolen by someone and becomes a slave. Mm -hmm. Probably by some other Greek. Because uh, the Spartans... Did not get their slaves this way. If you're a girl... I only, I, we'll talk about girls next time, but mm-hmm. girls are not judged this way. Oh. Because uh, women are <clears throat> in many ways more important than men in Sparta. Uh, but during your early life then, up to seven years, you are taught, among other things, you are very it's athletic games, or you just have to do, being an athletic little kid is encouraged. And you also right. have to be, you, you're taught courage and fortitude above all things. So you have to be a, a brave little kid. That's good. The that only time you spend with your family, with your mother, it's up to the age of seven if you're a boy. Because at 7 the agogi happens to you. And this is the Spartan way of raising men. <laughs> and it's pretty intense. Because it is uh, military school. Right. You say goodbye to your family. And you cannot see your family very often. You might get might get it as a reward. Uh, the requirements for getting into the agogi is a little unclear, and it seems to be the case that at some points foreigners have been able to put their kids in the agoge system. Huh. So if you are a friend of Sparta, you might get your son raised as a Spartan. But you probably lose him in the process, and he probably becomes a Spartan during this intense brainwashing <laughs> procedure that happens during the agogi. So, in this system, in the agoge, you learn to uh, obey the system, but you also have to learn to be clever. So, first you get harsh training, but there is no military training. There is no drilling, there is no fighting hmm, okay. with weapons. There is just sports, 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 and team games. It's all team spirit, work for the team, etc., Right, It's extremely strict and you have to obey the rules. But after a while you realize that the rules aren't very good. So a phase in your education is that you have to realize that you have to break the rules because you're not getting enough food. And there is like food that can be stolen. Have to learn to stay and not get caught.
1: (laughs) This is crazy. You're you're taught how important rules are, but then with a little nudge going, "Eh, rules, screw those guys.
2: (laughs) Yes, and you're not allowed to meet girls, for example, but you can possibly sneak out and meet girls when you get when you become a teenager and something. Yeah, that's, and you will be, everyone will be, wow, you snuck out of the school. You're really cool. (laughs) Uh, You're not allowed to wear shoes, and you probably wear very little clothing. Mm -hmm. You learn to take pride in pain and hardship. (laughs) So it's like pain and hardship all the time. Wow. It's like uh, training for the Navy SEALs or something, but right. you are but you're seven years old Let's get into this. <laughs> this. This
1: seems like it sucks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you are trained specifically in boxing, swimming, wrestling, javelin throwing. Okay, there's a weapon. Yeah, there's one. But it's more of the sports of ja- sport of javelin throwing. Uh, the discus and also in uh, unarmed combat then. Uh, Well, boxing and wrestling is around Hong Kong. Maybe you you train with some weapons. But it's definitely not the focus. You are also exposed to the elements. You learn to suffer pain and hardship in extreme cold and extreme heat. And you are, of course, rigorously flogged. So you learn to uh, endure pain. And then you get this older mentor. You get a guy who is already, I think, at least 18 or 20, yeah. who will be your role model because you don't get to see your father. And a very common misconception about the Agogi is that this man will rape you. I, I read that everywhere. Wow. <laughs> this is a homosexual relationship, and it's definitely not. Because in the next episode, we will deal with Spartan homosexuality. Okay. And we will learn that the Spartans are the worst homophobes, the worst world has ever seen. Wow. So if, if you get the idea that you can rape your uh, <laughs> adept <addict> here, <laughs> you are dead. <laughs> uh, one thing that happens to Spar- in Sparta is that um, you don't get to eat good food. And that's not only the agogi, it's your whole life. Okay. You never get to enjoy any decent food because that's weak. So there is a special event in, in Sparta for people who are still in the Agoghe that I have to mention because it's so bizarre. Because the Spartans will get one cheese. Once a year, they will get a nice, good-looking cheese. Cheese? Yes. Because like... cheese is uh, <laughs> way too good to eat to be allowed in Sparta, normally. And then there will be the race for the cheese uh, between young boys. And this is a very popular event and in Sparta, so everybody g- gathers around, but they are not only spectators. Because these poor boys have to run across the city yeah. to an altar, upon which is the cheese. Okay. And everybody who is there has um, the task of whipping and beating the boys while they try to get to the cheese. So it's it's a gauntlet. And uh, the way to win this race is to get to be the first one to get to the altar and bleed on it. So you have to be injured to win. So you have to, you can't just run past everybody who tries to beat you up, because you have to stay and take your beating right. to the degree that you bleed, so you can actually bleed on the altar and get the cheese.
1: <laughs> That's insane.
2: <laughs> yes. and uh, It's wow. just one example from the Agogi system for young boys. And when you get out of this system at the age of 18, you have spent 11 years just taking pain and hardship every day and you are completely brainwashed you know no other reality, you lost your intense connections to your family and you are just I will serve Sparta I will endure pain and you are extremely fit <laughs> if you have survived
1: I was going to say, you would, you would be in <laughs> you would be in the top physical form of any human on the planet at that point.
2: Yes, and that's no exaggeration. That's actually the case, I think. And you still don't have the option of dropping out of the system. You will get that option a bit later. But um, you can't do this. Every boy has to do this. And <laughs> there's no way out. Wow. So you're now 18. Yep. And now it's time for military training. So you have two years, two intense years of military training, and this makes them the agogi looks like uh, like kindergarten, which it is. <laughs> so now you things get even worse You're, you you still have all these pain and hardships, but now you have to focus on drill mainly. so this is where the Spartans they, they still don't have the uh, the phalanx okay. okay. A-10 BC, but they will get the phalanx soon. And even before the phalanx, the focus here is on drilling. It's on moving as a unit, moving with your team. And it's still there's still not a lot of weapons training. And actually, the Spartans never do a lot of weapons training because their focus is always on being physically fit, being able to fight longer than anyone else. So even if you're not
1: the not the best swordsman just because you can sit there and swing it for, you know, three to four times as long yes. you just to outlast them.
2: Yeah, and them keeping your formation, being part of the teams, so then you... They will tire out everyone else mm-hmm. on the battlefield. Uh, okay, that's the two years between 18 and 20. There's not a lot to say about that. Uh, they are extremely boring then. And you have to shave rigorously because you have not earned the right to wear a beard. And the mm. beard is extremely important to the Spartans. And for some reason, these beards get cut in all the depictions of the Spartans. But if you have a beard, you are truly dangerous. <laughs> you should fear the Spartans with the beards. <laughs> And having a beard is a right that you have to earn. And these guys, not being 20 yet, haven't earned the right to, to wear the beard. But when you get to 20, you are allowed to have a beard and grow your hair long. So the Spartans actually look like guys with long hair and Amish-style beards. And this right to have a beard could be taken away from you if you don't perform as a Spartan should perform. But now you get the option of quitting. You get the option of saying, I hate this crap. <laughs>
1: I just want to be a
2: free citizen of Spartan. I don't, I don't care about being an equal. And the way you quit is to shave your beard. And okay. then everybody can see that you are uh, covered <laughs> and that you have quit and you're not an equal and you are less worthy than everybody else. So the beard is the symbol of being on the road to being an equal or becoming an equal or, or being an equal. And when you get to be 20, then you become the mentor of a a boy who is still in the first phase. He's between 7 and 18 years old. Ah, as we saw earlier. Then you become his role model and father figure. Right. And, of course, you will uh, give him a bit of pain and hardship then, so he learns. Sure. But don't rape him!
1: (laughs) No. Yeah, was that a corporal offense or... yeah there? you were the definitely
2: <laughs> and now you live your life in the barracks with the other soldiers so the phase between 20 and 30 is this is like military training is over this is military service mm-hmm. and you are allowed to marry okay between 20 and 30 but you cannot live with your family you cannot even eat a meal with your family because your family is your, your uh, they are your brothers, right. other warriors. And it's, you could marry, but it's extremely hard because Spartan women uh, really don't want to marry someone who's not an equal and you are not an equal yet. Even if you are the best 29 year old soldier in Sparta, <laughs> you are not an equal.
1: Wow. How many would live lived 29 with this kind of lifestyle?
2: I think a lot of them did, actually.
1: Wow. Incredible. Ah. I guess if they weren't actively being besieged... Okay. It seems so harsh.
2: Also, another weird right that you had to earn in Sparta, which is one of the greatest honor, is to have a tombstone. And the only way to get the tombstone so that you are remembered after your death mm-hmm. is to die fighting for Sparta. It's the only way if you're a man. So you have to die in combat for Sparta. So even if you are the king of Sparta and you rule uh, in the way the kings rule, we'll talk about that more later. Okay. Uh, if you're, if you're a super great king and everybody loves you and you rule for 50 years and then you die and they just throw away your body because you did not die in combat.
1: Do they throw it down in a bottomless pit?
2: No, (laughs) there is no
1: this is Sparta. (laughs) Uh,
2: But if you're twenty between twenty and thirty then you are allowed to go to war and you are allowed to die in combat for Sparta. So that's great. (laughs) Right? But now you become 30 years old. And this is the great important point in a Spartan man's life. Because at the age of 30, you are now judged of what you have accomplished. What have you done? Have you endured the Agogi system? Have you done your military training? Have you fought for Sparta? Did you fight as a team? Did you protect your brothers? Did you eat every single meal with these guys? Did you avoid your family? (laughs) And if you have served, if you have done this, you will become an equal, a full citizen of Sparta. And if you have not, you have to shade and become a free but not equal citizen. And this is the greatest dishonor done, so whoa. (laughs)
1: Yeah, can you imagine making it all the way to this point and then have to shave? Yeah,
2: that's that's 23 years you have been enduring this system. (laughs) And then it's like, you are not good enough, guy. (laughs) Just just shave and get over there with the girls. (laughs) If you succeed, you become a member of a club that contains 15 guys. And these are your brothers in arms you will eat every meal together with them. And they are your fighting unit in war. So this, these other 14 guys are then the most important people in your life. But now if you succeed in becoming equal, you are now extremely attractive to the Spartan women. So now all the hot teenagers and <laughs> girls are slightly above 20, they will be, woohoo, check it out, a new equal.
1: <laughs> Yay! That's the and that's, that's the quick road, learn. gentlemen. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> I was just saying that's a I was being sarcastic. That's a a quick road to you know marital success. Just yes, twenty three short definitely. years, <laughs> you two can be super attractive.
2: But of course, there is uh, there are duties um, with being an equal. Them, but first you learn. Oh, you, you probably know this long before, but now you are part of the equali- equality of the equals. So you get a plot of land, and this plot of land has exactly the same size for everybody. Even the kings have this, this exact plot of land of the same size. They are all exactly the same size. <laughs> and you are assigned the helots that belong to this land. Because the Helot slaves, they belong to the land and not to you. But Mm. as you are the owner of this land, they will work for you. Right. But they are not your slaves as chattel slaves normally are, or like like slavery normally works, because they are tied to this plot of land. And now you get to build a house in Sparta, and this is the only way to build a house in Sparta. And... You have to build this house yourself. You cannot have anybody helping you. And you can use exactly this amount of building material and exactly these tools. And you cannot cheat in any way. (laughs) So all the houses look almost the same. So you are extremely equal. You have as much wealth and the same house as the kings.
1: This is... This is incredible.
2: <laughs> yes, it's equality to an extreme degree. Uh, and then you have this club of 15 men, yeah, which you share every meal with, you go to war with these guys. This is an old Dorian practice, and it it remains strongly alive in Sparta, and I think the other Dorians are getting rid of it at some point. Mm-hmm. But a very important part of the old Dorian practice was that you shared a tent and you had a sun shelter during the day where you like meet with your 14 brothers. And then you have to pay a percentage of the produce of your land to your club. So if anybody has a problem with his harvest, etc., he will uh, be be protected by his 14 brothers.
1: Oh, I see. That makes sense.
2: Yes. And if you guys have to get a new tent or something, then this is taken out of your, your club funds.
1: That's really interesting. It's basically built in social insurance.
2: Yes. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird system, but it seems to be truly equal in a very, very almost communistic sense. Right. Okay, let's look at... uh, Well, we have to end the life of the Spartan man, then. Um, There is a point at 60. If you get to live to be 60 in Sparta, Mm -hmm. you become eligible for the Council of Elders, and I'll talk more about the Council of Elders then. But then you are a little more equal than the others. (laughs) Then you get to make the major decisions of the state. And then at some point you die and they check the way you died. Then if you died in battle, you get a gravestone and otherwise you don't do it. There is one other way to get a tombstone, but that does not apply to men because there's a way for the women to. We'll talk about that next time. Okay. Let's talk about Spartan food. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Good food is for weaklings. The the true man should eat just what he needs. So there is some sort of black porridge-like thing that the Spartans eat. And there's a famous quote when there's a guy from another city-state. I think he was from Athens. He's in Sparta for some reason. And he gets to eat with one of these 15-man groups. And after the meal, he says... Now I know why the Spartans do not fear death. They are already in hell. <laughs> and that was after tasting Spartan food.
1: What, is there is there any idea what is in
2: this gruel? <laughs> I think it is very nutritious. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> there is a big problem with getting to know anything about Sparta because the Spartans feel that Mm, they they could they can read and write as good as anybody but they feel that writing things down about what happened etc it's uh, mm. for weaklings <laughs> oh.
1: so they don't record their history so it's too fancy
2: yeah they, so we have very little from sparta mm. like we have from the other city states like historical records and stuff which means that we usually get the stories of Sparta from Athens or some other city-state. And they are, of course, very critical about Spartan. So uh, we have to take everything with a grain of salt. But now I want to talk about commerce in Sparta. About trade, about money. Because the Spartans feel that, okay, everybody else is obsessed with money. Money brings uh, harlots and charlatans sure money makes people weak <laughs> so they have forbidden gold and silver and they assign no value to gold and silver
1: so do they do they trade
2: yes they do and they still uh, they probably trade uh, with other when they trade with other city states they trade like goods uh, which most people do anyway Right. And then they have a coinage system at the later stage, and Nobody has coins in 810 BC, but when coins arrive, the Spartans will make their coins of iron because they're rich iron mines in Laconia. <laughs> Do did they, did um, they, they pay the iron price? Yes. <laughs> yes. They yes. Pay the iron price. yes. <laughs> but nobody else wants these iron coins, so they are only good in Sparta. Gotcha. And they are extremely heavy as well, so it's very hard to carry it away from Sparta. This means that merchants, fortune tellers, harlots and charlatans can stay clear of Sparta. Good idea. Uh, But Sparta still has a very rich culture. Some would argue that the Spartan culture is richer than any other Greek city-state, but it's very poorly recorded. But we know that they put a lot of emphasis on music. On dancing, singing, athletic games, and then the great riddle is, what did they write about? I know one thing that they were totally obsessed uh, of writing about, and that was the words of the Oracle of Delphi. Oh, that's right, like in the movie. Yes. And Delphi is uh, quite far away from Sparta. when we talk, we'll dedicate a whole episode to the Oracle of Delphi because it's such an interesting scam. It's, <laughs> it's such a well-run criminal organization, <laughs> right? And for how many hundreds of years did,
1: did they? That's a long con.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's. it's uh, I think they're still going strong uh, during the early Roman period. So oh, amazing. But the Spartans are convinced that the Oracle of Delphi is real and they will keep records of everything the Oracle says. To the Oracle's great fear, because if the Spartans would find out that the Oracle is a scam, they would kill everyone. <laughs> yeah. At, at some point, they actually have a Spartan sitting in the room with the Oracle just fanatically writing down anything the Oracle says.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: So that that's a like a stress factor for the oracle,
1: because <laughs> <laughs> hey, if they go back and compare notes, yes. Oh gosh,
2: but the, the oracle is a master of being unclear, right? So, but we'll talk about that. We'll make a whole episode about the oracle. But let's now talk about how these equals were organized, because then they would they would need leadership of some sort. Sure. And there are the two kings, there are the five ephors, loosely translated as overseers, and they are the only ones whose position really changed during the course of Sparta's existence. Then there is the council of elders, and there is the gathering of the equals, the appella, or the assembly, where the equals all together make decisions. So it seems weird to have two. two kings in this system. But this is an old Dorian tradition. Uh, The tradition is that the Heraclid Dorian king Aristodemus died during the Dorian invasion back in the 12th century. And he had newborn twin sons and they were both made kings. So the line, the two kingly lines come from these twin brothers Mm -hmm. who married twin sisters for some reason. And then their two eldest sons Become the two kings, Aegis and Eripon. So the royal houses are the Aegidea and the Eripon today. And they worship two different uh, sons of Zeus. They are they have veto power over each other, the two kings. So the two kings have to agree to make a decision. Just like the Roman consuls of later. And this will be a problem if both kings are present on the battlefield, which will lead to a spectacular Spartan defeat, because they had both kings on the battlefield, and at that point they decide to never do that again. (laughs) But that is much later than this. Um, But the kings are equals. They are eating in the mess halls. They have these uh, tiny houses. right? Uh, But it is, of course... uh, giant status to be a king and you're also a member of the gerosia the council of elders no matter your age i i don't know if there were ever any child kings but you could definitely be like 25 sure king and your main task is to be a commander in battle so, on campaign, you are the absolute ruler of the Spartan army, and this is, of course, a very important position. And it looks like a weird position to have to be hereditary, that you can't really choose who is the commander in battle. <laughs> There's also, of course, the fact that kings are not of the same age normally, so oh, the elder yeah, I think king about that. Right. Yeah, being the elder king is slightly better than being the younger king. Then. Sure. So there, there is some sort of like the elder king teaches the younger king and then he has to teach the next king. But they're they're still in two sense. lines. So they could be of equal age. Uh, okay, back to the Council of Elders then. Of course, you have as a king a position of importance in the Council of Elders. But the Council of Elders contains the two kings... And 28 old guys. 28 guys who are 60 plus. And you are a member for life in the council of elders. And you can only get into the council as an equal if there is an open position. They will pick whoever is the most worthy. And The, the council of elders work sort of like the... I'm trying to think of the English word here. They are the... Oh, God, what's the English word? <laughs> They're not Parliament. They are the other... The, 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 the Senate? That,
1: Senate? The House? They're
2: the institution that makes the motions for law suggestions and stuff like that. So they get to... If something is to change in Sparta, it has to be introduced by the Council of Elders and put before the appella the assembly okay. of Equals, which right. is mo- like Parliament then... Okay. Like the, or is it
1: like a Supreme Court kind of deal? Do they hear it like a case or did they just put it in front of uh-huh. like a? No,
2: it's like, if anything is, nothing can be brought before the assembly of equals unless the council of elders puts it there. Okay. So if you want something to change, talk to the council of elders and make them propose it to the gathering of the equals. Gotcha. So, the the Council of Elders is the the rule, they are the rulers of Sparta. But their position becomes more, less clear when you take into account the ephors, the overseers. When Sparta starts, the ephors, you remember there are five tribes of people in Sparta. And this is, there's one overseer, one ephor per tribe. And their first task was to oversee the agoge and make sure that everybody comes out a big, strong Spartan warrior <laughs> out of the of the the boys,
1: right? Score review,
2: but for some reason, the powers of the ephors increase over time, so they become very important in ruling Sparta and uh, sort of controlling the council of elders and and. They, from 754 BC they had a very weird task of declaring war declaring war on the helots on the slaves of Sparta oh, oh. why <laughs> because the gods didn't like if you uh, kill your slaves or if you shed your slaves blood right because the helots were protected by the gods but the Spartans had the right to shed blood in war so the ephors are in control of the war on Sparta slaves. And this will get out of hand and be... The relationship between the equals and the helots is... It's infected. And it's a source for uh, problems for the Spartan state. Yeah, because that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And you might have heard the legend that in order to become a Spartan man, you have to kill a slave. You have to go out into the field and kill one of the helots and not get caught because the guy who owns the plot of land Mm -hmm. that the helot is working, he will try to protect his helot. Right. And you can't fight him because he's a Spartan equal, so you have to murder one of his slaves. (laughs) And this is somewhat true, but not entirely true. So let's uh, get over to the assembly, the gathering of the equals, the appella. This is a truly equal parliament, then, where everybody has one vote, okay. everybody is allowed to speak, and all the equals' rules partner together in these important matters. So they will approve or reject any motion the Council of Elders put forward. So if the Council of Elders is way out of line, they will just get voted down here. They cannot really change anything in Sparta without the approval of the other equals. Okay. So, in some sense, the, the people rule Sparta. But it's this very, very special system. <laughs> okay, then. A lot of people are free in Sparta, that are not equals. Right. If you are, in, there are very, there are different ways of ending up in this position. You could be a slave uh, that were, that are uh, allowed to, that you, you are manu, manumission or emancipated, you are given your freedom. And if you are a slave, that uh, or you get freedom, then you become free, but not an equal. If you are a foreigner in Sparta,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think Spartan attitude on foreigners in Sparta, of course, is very dependent on Spartan diplomacy. But there are foreigners in Sparta. They are, are then considered free, but not equals. You could also be one of those guys that failed, Diagoge. Mm, yep. And I wonder if foreigners are allowed to have beard. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting now when you were do they have a special way they wore them, like no mustache, so it is just like the Amish, okay, just like the Amish,
2: yes, just like the Amish, so maybe if so, you
1: had a mustache, you could have a beard just so people would know that you're not
2: that might be the very reason they have that beard that way because most people with beards would have mustaches,
1: yeah, just like me and my beautiful facial hair.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, would, um, yeah, you would have to shave a part of that to be a <laughs> But We have to look further into this and make a new episode called Spartan Beards. Spartan Beards, <laughs> yes. One other way to be free but non-equal. Okay. And in some when you read about Sparta, you often hear this term applied to everyone who is not free but non-equal. But this is a special status. You are one of the periosiae. Mm-hmm. Perioeci are part of the eunomia. They are part of what Lycurgus said. When the Spartan state emerged from the five villages, there okay. were about 100 other villages in Laconia that were under Spartan control. And we can name 80 of these villages. And the Spartans choose to fr- freeze these villages at their current state of development. So they were not allowed to grow too much. Or they they were, like, controlled by Sparta, but they were not part of the city of Sparta. And the inhabitants of these cities, uh, these villages, were the periosii, which means the dwellers around. Uh, That's the people that live nearby, pretty much. Okay. And these people are not allowed to make... uh, to have any foreign policy. They have to look um, to Sparta and ask Sparta about anything involving foreigners outside of Laconia. But they are have some independence then in the local affairs. They don't have this system. Uh, They are um, forced to pay to uh, to the Spartan state. And they owe military service to the kings of Laconia. And the kings of Laconia happens to be the kings of Sparta. So another duty or advantage of being the king is that you rule these other places nearby And if Sparta conquers something they might give this um, give this status to conquered places so they become the Periosia. It's a bit like the Latins in Roman affairs. Okay. Uh, But there was another place nearby Sparta that were not allowed to get this status. And it's a special place called Helos. You notice the name? Yeah. The slaves are the Helots. Helots, right. And this place <laughs> is called Helos. Could be connected. This was uh, a town that owned rich lands by the mouth of the Eurotas, the great river of Laconia. Right. It had open access to the sea. And they resisted Sparta for a long time. And they got military aid from Argos. Uh, Argos, always the main Dorian rival of Dorian supremacy in Greece. So Argos is also like, we are cool Dorian fighters. (laughs) And we are better than the Spartans. And this is a rivalry that will be going on forever. (laughs) So there are two theories about the town of Helos. The first theory is that these people became the Helots. And by uh, 750 BC, the Sparta is in control of all of Laconia. And by then, Helots must have been conquered and they became the Helots. So why this harsh treatment of this one place? Because they just resisted Sparta. But theory two is that they are not the Helots, and that maybe their name was just taken to name the slave class. And this is a dispute that already raged in antiquity. Hmm. But if, after the Messenian Wars, we'll talk about the first Messenian War in a whole episode as well, Uh, after the Messenian War between Sparta and Messenia, the Messenians will become Helot slaves that there were already helots around before this. And the helot system, this system of slavery, is not attributed to Lycurgus. And it seems to predate Sparta, because a similar system exists in other Dorian states. So it's like an archaic way of serfdom. And it's very different when you read about this. In some sources, it's the most miserable slave position in the world to be a helot. And there are constant slave rebellions and these wars against the helots. And the big problem for Sparta is that there are normally like seven helots for every equal. Wow. Uh, And there's always a shortage of equals and always an abundance of helots. (laughs) But uh, it's very complicated, the helot system, and it's very hard to understand it for example, we don't know. It seems if there were other slaves in Sparta. So the rest of Greece had the chattel slaves, like normal slaves. What do you think? What do you think about when you think about ancient slaves? So maybe they also existed in Sparta, being owned by people and not assigned to the land, etc. But let, let's talk about what it means to be a helot. You belong to this plot of land, and you have to work the land, but you get to keep fifty percent of what you produce from the land. Really? Yes, and that sounds uh, that sounds better than most slaves, right?
1: Yeah, it's like most slaves wouldn't get any.
2: Yeah, and you have rights because if you if your master. Tries to overwork you or take more than 50%. He is cursed by the gods. Wow. And the Spartans um, really believe in the gods. So uh, they generally avoid this. So they will take 50% of your produce. But they will let you keep the rest. And also if you have male children. They go through the first stage of a a Spartan boy. They right. are judged <clears throat> by the council of elders and they are exposed and uh, killed if they are not worthy. So the helots have some sort of, uh, yeah, they, they are, they got rid of their weaklings as well. Hmm. And. Then we have to talk about the, this relationship, of course, between helots and equals. It's, it's strange and hard to understand. And it becomes harder when you think about the kryptai, the secret police of Sparta.
1: Secret police?
2: <laughs> yes. So the cryptai is part of the agogi. Some say that Lycurgus introduced this as well. And okay. this is a way, sort of an extracurricular activity during the agogi. So if you are like, if you feel like you can do more than the other boys, you can become part of the secret police. And the secret police main task is to murder the strongest of the helots <laughs> to reduce the chance of a successful slave rebellion. Wow. And imagine what this does with Helot's morality. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you're the best Helot, you work really good, you produce a lot for your master, you will get killed by the secret police.
1: This seems counterproductive, but I guess they don't want any kind of uprising, or they want to minimize the effectiveness.
2: And I guess the main proof that this system, that it wasn't all... All Sunshine days is to be Helot is the extreme slave uprisings in Sparta <laughs> we'll will talk about them later that this but there's always like constant war with the Helots and, at, in some way it's it's weird <laughs> it's super weird
1: that is huh I don't get it, but I guess it worked for them for a few hundred years.
2: But now we have to look at the one thing everybody wonders about Sparta. Were the Spartans really the best warriors of their time? Right. And I would like to argue that yes, they were. If, if a Spartan army already at this early stage faced any other army in equal numbers, mm-hmm. the edge would be the Spartans. Even... Spartans versus Assyrians this time, and let me explain why. Because the Spartan man has no no profession. You're only allowed to have a profession if you are free but not equal. So most like blacksmiths and people who do clothes and make shoes, etc. They are not equals. Because a a Spartan equal will spend his entire life thinking only about battle. (laughs) If he's not fighting, he's training to fight. He's training together with his club. He is practicing teamwork, fitness, all the time. So you have these extremely well-trained guys. And they are in better shape than anyone else. As I said, when the phalanx shows up, they become the masters of phalanx maneuvers. They will drill their phalanx maneuvers so well. So there are things that a Spartan phalanx can do that no other phalanx can do in Greece. If you look into phalanx warfare then of the 6th and 5th century BC, uh, the Spartan phalanx can go backwards. They can turn faster than anybody else. And it, they are truly fearsome warriors. And it's amazing that they train very little at using their weapons. Their, their focus is always fitness and teamwork. Right. But that goes pretty far in ancient warfare.
1: Yeah. If you can, if you can move as a single unit, you are going to outlast the throng. If they're just, if you're just being, uh, You you see the the giant open fields of people yelling and screaming and running across the battlefield. If you can just stay together,
2: you've got to have an edge. Yes. And from about 650 BC, it's clear to most people in Greece that the Spartans are uh, the best warriors. Mm -hmm. And Argos will, of course, argue against this. And other places as well, but there is a Spartan PR machine as well. So the Spartans will work to maintain this rumor of them being and <laughs> fighters. So the, the rumor of Spartan warriors spreads a lot. So in the Roman times, example, in the Roman war against Carthage, they know that when when Carthage hires a Spartan general, they're like, "Oh no, it's the Spartans." <laughs> <laughs>
1: The name alone.
2: (laughs) So, uh, why did Sparta not conquer the world? (laughs) Right. Uh, First, they had no interest. They didn't uh, get any colonies. They didn't take part of the great colony movement. They didn't colonize the Mediterranean. They will make only one colony during all the time of Sparta, and that colony has a very special history. It's during the First Mycenaean War. Mm -hmm. and I'll tell that story then Uh, they do sometimes conquer area but then it's on land and it's nearby Sparta but they have no interest in the sea so they are very weak to naval (laughs) warfare (laughs) they're
1: afraid of of it
2: (laughs) I I think they're not afraid of it they're just not interested Uh, they don't see the game because they don't care about wealth
1: oh that's true you don't care about the spice trade because you eat, yeah, you eat, you know, basically nutrient paste.
2: Yes, and if you put uh, spices on your nutrient paste, everybody will laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> but the greatest weakness of Sparta then is always the low number of equals. And it's a constant problem during Sparta's time that they can't have enough equals. And these equals die in battle. People don't qualify to become an equal. Right. So the number of equals is always the problem. It's always what they care the most about. Like, will the equals die out? Will the Helots overtake Sparta?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm assuming they would never consider lowering their standards.
2: Uh, uh, When things get really tough, they will consider arming the non-equals because the, the perioci they fight in the Spartan army. But
1: okay. then you
2: could arm the other guys as well, the foreigners, the, the failed Spartans. Everybody gets weapons. <laughs> and they will also arm the Helots in times of gigantic crisis, but that's so dangerous because if the Helots are armed, they will think about their position in society. <laughs>
1: I don't want the helots thinking
2: <laughs> so if you are a Spartan equal you're a great warrior but you get tired of this equality system there is a way out particularly later in Sparta because you can go abroad and become a mercenary
1: oh wow yeah
2: and if you become a mercenary then you you don't have to partake in the <laughs> strict Spartan state so you will, uh, and of course Spartans are thought of, s- sought after as mercenaries. So Spartan generals will pop up every, every now and then in different wars as mercenaries.
1: That's interesting.
2: And I guess this was encouraged by the Garosi as a way to get people who really wanted to fight to find someone to fight. But I'm not sure what the the Spartan state thought of this. But it's it's a fact that there are Spartan mercenaries in later years. And that they are, of course, then really good at fighting.
1: Right. I would assume they're just forgotten about. They don't seem like holding grudge kind of people.
2: Uh, You will also see exiled Spartans from time to time later. Mm -hmm. And they care a lot about sparta they really miss sparta and you will see enemies of sparta even have spartan kings in their employ because the king could be exiled if Uh, he didn't do his job right and the most famous one of course is the spartan king working for Xerxes (laughs) in the great war right uh, let's talk a little about Spartan religion and then end this episode. Sounds good. The Spartans really like... Um, this is before 500 BC, then the religion changes quite a bit. But uh, they really like the Oracle of Delphi, as I said. They, uh, there is a cult called Hyacinthus of Aniclite. And Amiclae was a special place because it was a there were a cooperation between Dorians and Achaeans, the uh, original, in air quotes, inhabitants of Greece. Right. And, uh, they, I think this, this was a very important cult for the first three centuries of Sparta. And I think they pointed to this cult to show that they were not going to kill every Achaean. (laughs) (laughs) And they, they seem to have pretty good relationships to the Achaeans. when they fight, it's often against other Dorians, like in the Messinian the Wars. Uh, there's also Athena Poly- Polyokos. She is the guardian of the city of Sparta. Uh, Artemis Orthia is another important goddess. There is worship in Sparta, as I mentioned in the last episode, of Menelaus and Helen from the Iliad. Because the Iliad is so popular that they consider it reality. And as we talked about last time, Menelaus and Helen and that Sparta of the Iliad probably did not exist at all. (laughs) But there will be temples to the old Spartan king Menelaus, who doesn't even fit into the royal lengths or the the lines of the kings. But they don't care about that. They think he's so cool and everybody's talking about idiots. <laughs> so they're like, oh, wow, he's our guy. He was a Spartan. <laughs> and if he existed, he was definitely not the Spartan. There is a great wave of temple building all over Greece starting in 800 BC. And the religion is a very important reason why the Spartans become Hellenes, why they become Greeks instead of Dorians. The spread of the Greek identity is a big thing in the 8th century BC. And the main reasons for this spread is religion, common religion, common language, which develops. And the Iliad, the stories of Homer, and some other authors as well. But this, the dream of the heroic age that was before this age... Unites the Greeks into becoming the Hellenes. And the word Greek is, did I talk about that last time? I think I have mentioned it, but the word, the word Greek is just the term that the Romans invented. And it's actually wrong because it was, a uh, one group of people called the Greek guy. And the Romans just thought, okay, everybody over there is a Greek. <laughs> Everybody's, yeah. But the, the correct term is Hellenes. And the Spartans are then extremely conservative, as I said, and they are also very religious. And they will make really bad strategic calls <laughs> based on religion, as very, very nicely depicted in 300. <laughs> right. When they can't send the army because it's against the religion. And that uh, was one of the things that were actually true about the Battle of Thermopylae that uh, they couldn't send the army because it was against the religion so Leonidas had to go by himself and he could only bring his personal bodyguard of 300 guys (laughs) Yeah, 300 which uh, is a pretty excessive bodyguard (laughs) so that's it any questions on being a man in Sparta
1: uh, seems real hard
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes definitely very hard
1: I can see how when people get exiled, they would miss. I mean, if, if you're, if you were with your brothers all the time, constantly, you would have a hard time coping.
2: Yes. And then you are stuck in Athens and you're like, Oh, where are my brothers? Who am I going to eat with? And the, the Athenians are like, uh, What are you doing?
1: Yeah. Uh, dude, you're sitting real close. <laughs> Go eat somewhere else.
2: Yes, and you watch uh, Plato singing praise for a boy's beauty. <laughs> you're yeah, like, oh, yeah, he's a f- pedophile. Right. This is weird. So yeah. uh, the Spartans, I think they had a hard time fitting in anywhere else.
1: I can imagine. They're extremely unique. All right. Well, what is coming up in our next episode?
2: Well, next time we'll talk about being a woman in Sparta. And we'll also talk about Spartan sexuality.
1: Dun dun dun. We already know that they are You don't know
2: everything about (laughs) Spartans. but you will at the next episode.
1: Alright. So tune in for that, because that will be enlightening. Also, we would like to tell you about our other ventures or other podcasts or other uh, creative outlets
2: yes uh, we are not far from the beginning of season six of game of thrones and i do a podcast about game of thrones called game of thrones chat it's on itunes and actually in the uh, in the 10th episode of season five i did it with brennan yes
1: i've Stepped in and gave my opinions. And what oddly enough, this season, the uh, author has not written a lot of what's happening this season, but I speculated on it in that particular podcast. So we'll have to find out if I was correct in my speculation.
2: <laughs> Definitely. So check out Game of Thrones chat when uh, when Game of Thrones begins again. Uh, me and Brennan also run a youtube channel and do a podcast about magic the gathering the card game mm-hmm. you want to say anything about that um yeah we uh, put a lot of effort in that and if you
1: if you enjoy strategic games um i think our channel is very good at those who are just getting started in their gameplay and those who just have an interest uh, but not a lot of money we do concentrate a whole lot on budget formats so if those kind of games appeal to you i would highly recommend our channel of um, magic uh, youtube slash magic gathering strat um we try we have a cultivated <laughs> environment there of videos and video makers so we're all pretty pleasant
2: Yeah, and I'll stress that we we do look a lot at budget ways of playing magic. Magic can be very, very expensive and turn people off that way. True. And if you feel that you want to spend less money on magic, so go to our channel because we'll talk about cheap ways of playing magic. Precisely. Uh, I also do... Those are the English podcasts. I do two podcasts in Swedish. So if you understand Swedish... (laughs) <laughs> you can <laughs> check out my podcast, Palme Modet" about the murder of Swedish Prime Minister Olof Palme. Uh, you can also check out Sagan om Isfolket podden about Margit Sandemål's great epic book series of 47 books going over 400 years. That uh, which contains a lot of uh, <laughs> magical stuff.
1: <laughs> Very cool.
2: Yeah, and uh, of course you should uh, support this podcast by going to Patreon.com/slash fan of history. Of course, uh, the podcast as it looks now will proceed down to the destruction of Sennacherib, the great event of 701 BC. But we're looking for funding to continue the podcast further, and we need thirty dollars. So that's not a lot. So if you feel that you could contribute a dollar or two to uh, for every episode of Fan of History, go to patreon.com slash History. Yeah, we don't... Uh, we're,
1: not, we're not trying to become rich, <laughs> but it would be uh, nice to maybe get uh, a new mic, maybe some... Uh, you know, to pay our monthly
2: X-split recording softwares, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are on Facebook as Fan of History. For some reason, the Facebook page is our most popular outlet. Uh, we're on Twitter as the fan of History. There is a blog at wordpress.com. It contains fantastic articles about the really ancient history because I'm doing a series on YouTube together with Shane Sowersby called Timeline of World History, mm-hmm. which is detailing all the world history starting at 200,000 B.C., so if you think the Spartans are way too modern for you, <laughs> that's the serious look. We just published uh, the episode about 7,100 wow. BC and Castle Oyuk. An amazing city where 8,000 people lived in houses without windows <laughs> and buried their grandmothers underneath their beds. Because you want to know where grandma is, right? <laughs> yeah, but they didn't bury her head because that could be kept around as a religious thing. So you had grandma's head on the wall. That's weird. <laughs> yes, check out Timeline World <laughs> History on our YouTube channel. Okay, I think I'm done plugging. Okay. iTunes right. reviews.
1: iTunes, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We will share it, talk about it. Even if it's bad, just give us something. All right. Well, for this week, I am Brennan. I'm Dom. And this has been The Fan of History. If you enjoyed this podcast, please
0: consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just
1: a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks and see you next time.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.